welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Mark Barbau. Mark is currently the Chief Legal Officer at Air Canada. Um, he takes us through his career, and it's been an absolutely stellar career. Uh, his early days, he started as an associate at Steichman Elliott, a very prestigious law firm in Canada, and he's made his way right through to the to the chair, uh, and so the most senior legal position, or the most senior executive position there at Steichman. He takes us through that journey and the various phases in that journey, his learnings. Um, he's been lecturing um, uh, as an adjunct professor at McGill University since the mid-90s. Um, tells us why that's important. Um, so his influence uh, amongst um, uh, amongst law students has no doubt been um, uh, long-serving and profound, so that's fantastic. And more recently, of course, a couple of years ago, I think right in the middle of pandemic, he took on the position um, uh, of the Chief Legal Officer um, at, um, at Air Canada. So it's a fascinating discussion. We we talk about a bunch of different topics, important things that, you know, mentoring, sponsoring, the difference between the two. And we do a bit of a deeper dive too into the future uh, of the legal profession, both from a perspective of um, uh, being in a law firm, being in-house, um, and and more broadly just being in the legal profession. So it's a, it's a fascinating discussion, I'm sure like all our discussions, but particularly this one, you're going to enjoy it. So in the usual fashion, sit back, chillax, and enjoy the episode. Mark Babot, welcome to the podcast. It's fantastic to have you on board. I'm really looking forward to the show. As am I. Hello, bonjour, Jim. Bonjour, Mark. <laughs> Thank uh, you for now, having me. It is morning time, of course. Uh, now, Mark, tell us a little bit about... The Mark Babo story. That's how I like to set the context for these shows. Take us right back. Tell us what even got you interested in law. Um, we know your current position. I would have announced this at the beginning of the show that you're currently the Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer at Air Canada, but that's pretty recent. That's only since July last year. But take us back to the very beginning. What got Mark Babo interested in law in the first place? Well, thank you for the question. So the um, so it it I actually studied my 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 father's an engineer, and so I I studied as as one does in pure and applied sciences uh, to keep all the options open, right? Uh, in due course, and and in due course, perhaps I you know I might have considered engineering, but uh, chemistry got the better of me. Yeah, at <laughs> some it, point, as, so, as it does a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Although my, my partner is is a chemical engineer, so some it, it looped back back into my life late, late later in life, but uh, but it, it it definitely got the better of me. And at some point, in uh, we have something that's akin to junior college here in 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 Quebec, and it was clear to me I was not going to pursue uh, a career in sciences. And then the question begged the question: What do what does what does one do? Um, and I had no clear path, no clear plan. And I simply, uh, a friend of mine, 
was going into law or her brother was in law, I guess. And so she was going to go into law. And I said, well, that sounds like a good idea uh, as, as I figure out what I want to do in life. And, and the rest is, is history. It, uh, and how about that? Those kind of stories, we hear them time and time again, uh, a friend of a friend or something or, or, or something that puts you on a path um, because you're not sure what you're going to do and then suddenly an entire career <laughs> Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm lucky she didn't apply to accounting. So yeah, that, that, that's absolutely <laughs> right. Or, or maybe maybe that was a calling as well. That who, 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 yeah. Heaven only knows. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, um, l- let's take a bit of a deeper dive, Mark, in your career um, at Steichman Elliott. You were uh, you you've spent most of your professional career there, and you were certainly a partner there since the mid '90s. And more recently, I can see you're a chair and executive committee member. Um, for the last three years before you joined Air Canada. So um, I think I mentioned to you before we got onto the show that between us, between you and I, we have more than 40 years um, as law firm partners. That's a long time. So tell us, um, I mean, tell us about that experience. What are the key learnings for you? Um, uh, And because I'm going to love to compare that when, when we get to then your transition, of course, um, to, to Air Canada. But uh, tell us about that part, that very long part of your career. Yeah, yeah, I ended up being, uh, you're right, I ended up being a, a lifer at Steichman because I joined uh, Steichman Elliott uh, as a student. Uh, right. And then, and then you know, uh, progressed through the ranks eventually uh, up to and including chair. But um, I, I, there's a bit of serendipity also in, in joining Steichman Elliott in the first place. So if I can kind of take that detour and get, yeah, of get to your question. The, the, um, in, in law school, I really enjoyed um, uh, public law, administrative law, criminal law, public law generally. I ended up actually studying. There was a scholarship at, uh, at the law faculty that allowed you to go study uh, in France. Uh, for a year, so I ended up studying in Paris uh, French public law, which which even French lawyers, when I would tell them that, would say, "Why did you do that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually I was it was it was an interest of mine, uh, public and administrative law, public policy, and so on and so forth. But when I came back to um, to Montreal, I had to do my bar and bar school and and so on, and uh, had thought that uh, perhaps a firm with with uh, an international reach, such as it was in the eighties. Uh, it's nowhere near, you know, all the firms have kind of gone global now, but back then it was it was a different uh, world. Um, and I spoke to one of my professors uh, and he said, well, I articled at Steichman Elliott. And so would you like to try to see if they have a spot for you? So I ended up at Steichman Elliott in that way. So again, you know, no no clear design uh, involved, which perhaps is a theme here, Jim, yeah, that yeah. you can <laughs> yeah. leverage and, through and, the interview. And, and, but, and can, uh, and can I tell you, it's a consistent th- theme throughout almost all of my guests. Um, yeah. and, and it takes me back to, I've spoken quite a lot about the stress that, um, that younger people seem to have now about not having, you know, in their early 20s, their entire career mapped out. Um, and, oh, yeah. And um, how... Certainly, when I can, I try to relieve that stress by saying, you know, it, it's silly. <laughs> it is kind yeah. of. Silly. I, I'm totally, and, and yeah, we're on that 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 side uh, road. But that's an important one. You're absolutely right, uh, and it's one uh, which I do share with uh, with with students or or, or young lawyers uh, on occasion. And that is, you see, you see the fully formed person in front of you, and you, and that gives the impression that somehow there was design. 
and there was there was actually and and actually what it is what it is is just a series of choices that are made uh seizing opportunities for sure um great saying by a, by a baseball coach that is uh, i think it is which is which is that luck uh, uh luck is the residue of design so there's there is there is some form of basic design but it's not entirely fully fully developed and and you have to embrace that because because this world changes and so you have to embrace the changes that comes and the opportunities as they come. So that's how I ended up. That's how the, that's how to circle back. That's how I ended up at, at Steichman Elliott uh, with a whole lot of interest in public law and administrative law, and yet French public law, and yet I ended up in a um, in a business law firm, and uh, and very interested in securities laws, which of course involve a lot of public policy markets and so on and so forth. So that was the, if you will the hook. But uh, before long, I uh, was just uh, fully engaged in all kinds of really interesting stuff that was happening there and, and realizing that this was, was something I'd like to continue to do. So, Mark, take me through some of the key lessons during your time at Steichman. What kind of um, stands out for you now? Well, th- yeah. So, lo- uh, over the time that I was there, there's phases, right? There's that, phases, of course, of, and, and, uh, and that's pro- that's probably the best way to look at. It. Let, let's yeah. break it down in those phases. Um, that's what when I look back in my you know, career, different. That's how I look. There are there are chunks, uh, and then there seems to be dividing lines between between those chunks. Take out the arch lever binder from the first chunk, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll work out from there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so so I, I Malcolm Gladwell. Wrote about the ten thousand hours. I don't know if you, oh, I forget which book. My, yeah, and well, uh, it, yeah. So, so that that one's um, outliers. outliers. It was outliers. Okay, it was, well, outliers. It was an interesting yep. insight, which I think he 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 found from some other study. And you know, obviously, people have been bantering whether that's the right metric. But but it is an interesting metric when I think about the law profession. For the following reason, is that if you if you're in private practice, like put aside, I can't speak to. Um, even growing in-house because I, I'm starting to grow <laughs> in my in-house role now as a uh, as a fully grown I I hope uh, lawyer. But um, if you think about private pra- joining private practice, the ten thousand hours actually works out quite neatly <laughs> because I, I depending on how that. many hours you're doing. <laughs> yep. Okay, and I I know I mean I started when uh, in an era where if you did two thousand hours, that was a lot of hours. And uh, and and now you know there's some lawyers, young lawyers who are doing much more than that. And correct, I, uh, they're, they're, they're scoffing. They're scoffing at two thousand. <laughs> yeah, totally. Two thousand. Kind of, yeah, not even a rite of passage. Uh, but but if you broke that, and if you said, well, it's two thousand, but you know, on the average, whatever, you kind of get to a point where you those first five or six years of practice, put it that way are really important five or six years of practice. And, you know, is it five, six, seven, eight, whatever it is. And then you, and then you lean into potential partnership at some point on the other side of those, of those years, whatever the number of years is, but it actually matches that, which, so when I look back, I think I, I did a pretty traditional kind of arc of, of learning, which started with just, you know, learning, growing, given, given, being given more responsibility, you know, by, by the year, um, being mentored for sure through that process and, and, and learning through that process. And, uh, I, I, I was the beneficiary of a lot of mentoring, great mentors, uh, but also, uh, of sponsoring, which I think is actually a theme that, you know, applies not just to my own progress, but I, I think if we really look back on our career, certainly if I look back on my career, 
Yes, I was mentored, but more importantly, I was sponsored. There were people who put their faith in me uh, and and acted on that. And frankly, they took a chance on me. You know, it, they they acted without full certainty, but they thought, well, we we think he's you know he can do this. Let's try it. And who gave me opportunities? And and as we think about our young lawyers right now, whether it's it's in house or in private practice, whether in the diversity space, it's the same thing, right? It's not it, just it, about it mentoring. Them. It's sponsoring yeah, them. It, it's one of my favorite themes. One of my favorite themes, distinguishing between mentoring and sponsoring, because I think there is a distinction, and taking a chance on people um, uh, when you don't have certainty. There's, ne- there's never real certainty, but that is the difference. That is what creates the white space around them and you, uh, to be a, and you enabling them to grow into that white space. That's uh, my favourite theme. Whether whether they're young lawyers, whether there's anyone in your team, the principle applies. You have to spot and take and take chance, uh, take a chance on people, um, and believe in them more than they believe in themselves. So it that's is right. one of my absolutely and, and have their backs things. if they yeah. stumble, right? And that's also part of it. That's that's more than just mentoring. But uh, yeah, it's full, full. So I was the beneficiary. Of a lot of that, <laughs> just to put it out there. And uh, uh, so then that, that's the first part of the binder, if you will. That's the first binder. And, and the, second, the second binder is obviously partnership and what comes from that, right? And the responsibilities that come with that. And the, you know, once a partner, you become an owner. And that has, yes, that has uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, advantages. But, uh, and, and there's pride in that. But there's also responsibility there too. You feel the responsibility as, as an owner of the firm, you suddenly look around you and you say, well, I, uh, I'm responsible for all the people that are around me to, to, to keep them busy uh, in, in, in gainful employment and also to, 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 to help them along their own path. Uh, so that's, that's, so building a practice as well, uh, which, uh, you know, when you're, what, what, you know, I was six, seven years out. Uh, I didn't have a practice. Again, I was, you know, someone took a chance on me uh, and, and said he, he, he can do this. And uh, I became a partner. And so over time, you build a practice. And frankly, at times, you're, you're handed a practice, which is a big part of, you know, private law firm life. People trusting you with, with clients, major, small or otherwise. Um, then that's, so that's the second binder. And that takes another, call it, you know, 10 years. <laughs> uh, and along the way of that, none of this is kind of bright line, but along the way of that, then you get into obviously, and I think this is common for all of us, at some point you get thrown responsibilities. You know, it starts with small responsibilities, committees and, and the like, and you grow from there and eventually, as in my case, you know, firm leadership. Um, so that's the, uh, and I learned from every one of those phases, obviously. Practice, I learned about being an owner, in all of its manifestations. And then you learn about managing, learn about leadership, you learn about firm purpose. There's an exercise that we did 10 years ago the, the, at the board, at that point I was on the board of, of Steichman Elliott and the, my predecessor's chair wanted us to do an exercise on uh, not simply uh, you know, the business kind of the you know, growing the pie was the expression that was used. You know, how, how do we, you know, this is actually just after Richard Susskind had told us all that, you know, lawyers were at an end. I forget the name of the book, but something like that. So, uh, so, so what, how do we grow the pie? But also he was very mindful, rightly so, about the fabric of the firm. 
and that's the term that we used. Uh, and we, we kind of spoke to most partners about the fabric, what we believe the fabric of the firm was, which is an extraordinary exercise, Jim, because you kind of speak to all your partners and you realize that the that people, yes, they, they're, they're running businesses, uh, they're, you know, they're businesses within the law firm, but they're also very mindful of the fabric and that's what keeps firms together. And that's another way to talk about purpose. Um, so that, that exercise was extremely uh, insightful for me, at least. As we were talking about that, so I had a couple of things in mind. Firstly, I'm thinking um, it was more like 20,000 hours for me, but that's a different story. I think I think it was close to nine years before I um, uh, made that progression. Second thing I thought about is, does anyone actually know what an arch lever binder is? <laughs> anyone under 40 actually know what an arch lever binder is? That's the thought I had. Yeah. <laughs> You can post a picture in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the show the notes. Room, right? <laughs> I might do that. Um, yeah. And uh, th- tell me, uh, Mark, the, did it take – it took me longer than it should have to recognise how important it was to empower people around you and stop thinking just about me and what I could be doing or should be doing to progress. Um, I'd be interested in your insights there too, Um what you talk about the importance of sponsoring and trusting people and so forth. What was your journey on that? Did you get there very early? Um, is that something that just progressed for you or was it gradual? I'd be, I'd be interested because it, if, speaking frankly, it came a little late. came a little late for me. It was too much about me um, in those early years. Yeah, I, th- I think the early years you're, you're, focused, on your own, you're focused on your own progress. And it, it takes, I think in fairness, it takes time. It's not, it's not out of, you know, uh, negligence or anything like that. That's probably not the word, right word, but I think it just takes time to, to, to realize that, um, wow, this is not just about me. And I was actually the beneficiary of something that I need to replicate. Um, so when that happened exactly, uh, it was certainly infused in all of us that this is something that had to happen. And uh, there's a delicate balance there. Um, that uh, that people, anybody, quite naturally uh, struggles with. And that is, to the extent that you give room and you allow someone to grow, you know, uh, I'll say below you, but, you know, with you, you know, it actually, it actually necessarily affects your own kind of relevance. And that there's, there is part of your ego that will fight against that, you know, I think, and, and you have to be very mindful of that and say, yes, I will, I will create room for someone else, which, which means that someone else will have more room, uh, which means that the call may not come to me, which means that, uh, you know, maybe a meeting can happen without me. And we all want to be relevant, uh, which is actually a very poignant way to put it that was put to me by a, a, a senior partner at one point. You know, we all want to be relevant and to stay relevant. And so the job of a manager is to ensure that people know they can be relevant in, as they work through these different phases, relevant in different ways uh, to, to, to the firm and to, and to clients, which also applies, frankly, in-house. I actually think it applies across any organizations leaving your insecurities um uh it was much yeah insecurities is a better word yeah i i think it is i think ultimately it comes down to insecurities um uh, and the profession we we are in a profession sorry we are in a profession where i mean the the archetypical lawyer 
is one person standing in front of a judge. And so there's this idea that, yes, it's a group effort, but there's, you know, there's one individual that is the spokesperson for the firm, for the client, for... Correct. But, and think about the journey to get there. It was a high, you know, being high performing in high school, in college, university, law school. You know, you had to be typically an individual, well, you had to work very hard and not always, not, not typically in teams to get to the entry point, <laughs> um, let alone, um, uh, you know, through the profession, whether it was law firms or, or in-house. But uh, yeah, I, I think, and what I always say is the earlier, I think, in your um, career profession that you recognise um, that, a skill of empowering others and and um, and ensuring your ego doesn't get in the way. Um, Ryan um, Halliday's "The Ego Is the Enemy" is one of my favourite books, and I just read. I read. I, I keep saying I wish it was around in my twenties, and that I'd read it um, in my twenties. But uh, but it's a really fascinating discussion about how how hard it is. Um, to, to put that ego aside um, and recognise that it is about empowering others and how um, how in the long term how beneficial that can be, honestly, at a personal level. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll it's Roosevelt that, that said before. you can accomplish anything in life provided you don't care who gets the credit for it. <laughs> yeah, so you love that. No, you, you, know, you, you can't love become that. president without some some measure of ego and self you know, identity. But uh, but it's a great quote. And so, if we use that as a bit of a, um, a, a, a foundational for that, that's the foundation. What are we looking about? Look, what are we looking at in the future? What, what does it look like? Whether it's law firm side, in-house time, the entire profession, can you give me some thoughts about what what you think the future looks like? Yeah, and so so thank, yeah, great question. Um, and again, this is a question we certainly you you've been I'm sure thinking about it for many many years, and 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 the, any firm has been thinking about it. And there's always a, there's a, always an existential you know, uh, reflection of firms. And you know, we went through it when Mr. Susskind published his work. And, and, and since then, you know, where are we going? Um, how, I, I think in the end, you know, law firms are, our law firms evolve uh, in, in, in a way that will seek out where the value add is. Um, and, and, uh, and, and probably, certainly that was the case at Steichman Elliott, identifying where they could add value was was a very key piece of the strategy and in, uh, in the business law space, which is not to say you can't do the same in other, other spaces, but to know what you are and where you add the value is a key component of, of the process. Um, and that firm, uh, my, my former firm, was very focused on business law, not just in the corporate world, but also in you know, litigation, tax, uh, employment, all these other manifestations of business law, but very focused on that segment, which, which actually begets, you know, strength because what you have is a concentration of lawyers who are in that same space and therefore the expertise you know is 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 reinforced and is transmitted from generation to generation so on and so forth uh, so that was one strategy and I think that probably is here to stay and and will will, will stay in the future uh, look the profession you know the, the scale of the 
of, of the uh, service providers, whether they're law firms or otherwise, who are going to be in the, spa in the space is certainly something that is going to uh, increase. So how to adapt to that will, will no longer mean my purview. I'm going to be the recipient of services as opposed to the provider of services. But you know, the, the sheer scale of whether it's the accounting firms and uh, you'll have seen there's something about EY even even yesterday, I think, about you know, spinning off their audit function. Uh, so there's them, but there's others. Um, that's certainly something to, to watch. Uh, and then technology. Uh, but we've been talking about technology for as far as I can remember, even in law school, how technology was going to replace lawyers, right? Co so Correct. <laughs> uh, funny, funny little story, segue. My second year in university, no, my first year in university, I studied accounting, didn't go straight into law, got, got um, introduced to a teacher who told me, you know what, I think you should do you should learn about computers, Jim. I think it's going to be big in the future. So we're talking <laughs> 86, no, 85, okay? And I th uh, looked at him and said, I don't think so. No, no, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, so yes. there you well, go. I, I have a similar call, similar talk story. About calling it. <laughs> we're, we're contemporaries. The world's worst yes. call, that one. I don't think computers no, are going to no, be a big no, thing. I, I, I actually was toying after law school. Oh, should I go to Silicon? It's California. And there's this place. I don't know that it was specifically Silicon Valley, no. but it, it seemed like a far place. Yeah, well, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Lots there. of bother. I'm telling you, Mark, yeah. nothing's going to happen there. You, you did the right yeah. thing. <laughs> so yeah, there's a parallel. There's a parallel you somewhere there, in the there, world. There we go. <laughs> Uh, who uh, who's so, so, so look so so back on you were talking about back on technology yeah technology, I, yeah. technology the, lots of lots of talk I, there's no doubt in my mind there are ways to use technology there's no doubt uh, but the the you know, and, and in the end you know what you know it's one thing to to have technology that that knows the answers another to know what question to ask and and uh, you know when they come out with that technology that that'll be a game changer maybe it's already out there um and, and finally just in terms of the future of the profession i mean we see it now um you know just engaging with people uh to, to so that they come into the profession that they see the purpose of it um in, in a world that is looking for a purpose um is is really uh quite important and uh, you know, we talked about the hours. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna log in those those amounts of hours, you have to. I'm sure there are financial rewards for sure, no question, in private practice. But you also have to see the other rewards in it. And I think that for for private practice certainly, but but for the profession generally is important. And and there are you know non financial rewards in being in this profession. Uh, but we have to we have to make sure that uh, that they're highlighted. Um, and we talked to earlier about mentoring and, and sponsorship. Key key aspect of I think what people want now when they they want purpose they want to feel that they're growing that they're learning that the you know they don't just uh, um, plafonner in French uh, you know uh, max out on on that on that trajectory. And and that's going to be an additional challenge not just for the profession but all this you know hybrid working environment how do how do we mentor or sponsor people in that environment there that's an additional layer of complexity to, to for us all to i think the purpose the why i, I think 
uh, certainly. I, I think in the past we've gone a long time without necessarily needing to know the why or the purpose because of being typically early in the career. Sometimes it's about the financial rewards, working hard and so, so forth. But I think that increasingly the why and the purpose uh, is um, you're presented with uh, earlier. Um, and the and I think we're all the better for it when that happens, because it means your energies and your focus is directed, and should be directed to the right thing. If you were if you ask the why and the why is something that's not important to you, the sooner the sooner you know that, the better, and then you can actually um, direct yourself and your career and your energies to what actually does what's meaningful. Um, and Mark, I talk about we all want meaningful work. We want to be able to say at the end of the day, what I did today actually mattered. It made a difference. There's nothing, I think there's nothing, well, nothing worse than, than somebody at the end of the day saying, it doesn't, didn't matter what I did today or it doesn't matter what I'm going to do tomorrow. It won't make a difference. In whatever environment you're in, that's not a position you want to be in. Um, everybody needs meaningful work. And so if I, exactly, and if I kind of, we talked about the future of the profession, mostly private practice, but, you know, if you kind of shift gears to my, to my new role, it's a couple of of observations there. It's, it's extraordinary. I mean, I, I would have known this kind of intuitively or assumed it, but Remember, I, I, I certainly it was my case that in law school, the first year of law school, when you start learning about you know torts and contracts and everything, and then suddenly you're you kind of see torts and contracts everywhere into everyday life, right? You kind of yeah. <laughs> you're walking down the street and you're saying, "Well, that was like anything." You know, yeah, every everything to you is like a hammer is, is a nail, and so everything yeah, yeah. everything gets characterized. But you 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 you're you're introduced to the breadth of law in everyday life, right? And which you had not prior to law school realized because, you know, there's no need to realize it. Um, but in a company, uh, in, in I expect most companies, you you are reacquainted with the fact that law and, and the law branch touches on so many aspects of, of not just corporate life, but personal life. You know, we, we're in the B2C uh, 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 area. And uh, so we, we, we have uh, passengers, obviously, who, who, who interact with us. And there's all kinds of laws relating to that. There's our activities to regulate the environment, needless to say. And so law just permeates uh, everywhere. And you're reacquainted with that, with that fact uh, of having to, to work through that and to, to serve your, your client in, that, in those respects. And there's all kinds of things that, you know, I'm, I'm effectively in a airline law boutique. Uh, there are things that are done here that just don't have any parallel in private in private practice. It just wouldn't make sense to have them there. You're embedded with your client. You're talking about things that you know are unique to this industry, um, which is extraordinary. And so and so you you uh, you know just to give you two examples. I mean, the pandemic, the pandemic itself raised yes for sure kind of major world uh, level issues you know, from, um, from a health point of view, but the implications for a business such as our own, you know, from a labor perspective, from a health measure perspective and working through these, you know, in a company like Air Canada, 
with the you know the input of the law branch that 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 is you know I, I don't expect I would have ever had some visibility on that in my private practice. There would have been no opportunity uh, to do that. And frankly, the expertise lies within rather than outside of, of the law branch. Um, talk a little bit about the impact and what you see the future um, uh, of responsibility, if you like, as um, as a general counsel in the ESG space, how is that going to impact, um, uh, but both in your industry and more broadly, you think across the profession? Yeah, huge, profession. Uh, great question, uh, and and, and uh, coming off of my our, our conversation just now, great question because you know this is this is. Both from a social point of view, people are asking about this, rightly so, but the purpose of corporations, the purpose of businesses and how businesses interact with society at large. And and it's a responsibility that businesses are taking. Boards of directors down and down, management, are taking seriously, you know, and and, and being mindful of their of of their accountability, their responsibility in that space. Um, it's not it has surfaced recently, but you know, in the sense, the debate has been there for a while, and certainly in corporate law, right? You, you, you'll remember I mean, more than ten years ago, even going back uh, to um, to uh, the uh, the Delaware takeovers of the '80s and the '90s. What is the purpose of a corporation? Is it shareholder value, and so on and so forth? So, so that debate has been percolated in an academic way for a long while, but now it's real because people are asking these questions more broadly. Investors are want to know what we're doing, and certainly. Certainly, our Canada, we 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 take those things very seriously. Uh, you know, at the core of of what we do, we and and, and other airlines is safety. You know, there's there's no greater value uh, to 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 Air Canada than the safety of of, of passengers, the safety of of employees, the safety of communities. And if you kind of take threads from that, you can understand how safety is a is a driving force throughout. Right, safety. Um, is a very powerful value to 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 build on, um, and most recently, clearly, uh, well, actually, I say most recently, but yeah, I'm going to talk to you about climate action. But this is an industry actually that has had environmental considerations, you know, on its mind from the very get-go. The Chicago Convention. This is in the 1940s, just after the Second World War. Chicago Convention set up ICAO, which is the International Civil Agency Organization, which basically is a framework. For the uh, for the airline industry, and in that agreement, there was an annex dealing with environmental matters. And now, you know, I'll, I'll grant you, it was all about the noise of propellers, <laughs> but which which was you know worked on. You know, the, the, there was some kind of framework to work on that. But but the idea that the industry was somehow had to address environmental matters, be they even you know propeller propeller noise was kind of set in that agreement 70 years ago and and Corsia which is the you know the agreement dealing with carbon um, uh, in the airline industry is is part of that same annex in I, in the in the Chicago what was the Chicago convention so all this to say the industry's focused on it we're focused on it you know we've set net zero goals for 2050 we've set interim goals uh, between now and 2050 we're looking at um, you know, what we can do with the fleets, the operations, the innovations, the, the fuel, 
lots of talk about sustainable aviation fuels, um, and then carbon carbon reduction and renewals, uh, removals. But all of this, Jim, all of this, you know, is all being driven by technology advancement, by you know, commercial opportunities, uh, uh, innovation, uh, agreements with partners. There's going to be a lot of partnerships that are necessary to to get to get to those goals. Uh, all of that has to. You know, we we have to contribute to as a law branch, which is really exciting because we're working on stuff that we, we talked about bespoke stuff, novel stuff, you know, th- agreements that have never been entered into before, and it's coming through the law branch, um, and it's it's exciting to be part of of those initiatives and those efforts, not just at Air Canada but in the industry. Yeah, and, and certainly in the in the hundreds of discussions that. Um, uh, that I've had with general counsel. If you think, you know, the the top, you know, ESG is in the top top three priorities with ESG, DNI, geopolitical. Now, of course, um, stability, um, but it's um, it is absolutely a, a top of mind issue uh, amongst the entire community. Last question, uh, Mark. Anything that keeps you up at night now? Um. I, th- I think we've touched a bit on it, right. but this this whole um, isolation, yeah, the connectedness, the, uh, the echo chamber, um, yeah. the extremism, the you know, law, law is law. Uh, Chief Justice Warren of the U.S. said, "Law floats on a sea of ethics," yeah, which is which is yep. he was speaking, of course, about the ethics, but it's also it floats on social fabric, yeah, it floats on social connectedness. And we find ourselves in a moment, and we don't have to look very far, unfortunately, to see that people are disconnected. Yeah. And, and that, uh, that creates, of course, all kinds of unintended and deeply, deeply troubling consequences. And, and, that, that, and, and the pandemic has, has had the potential of exacerbating yeah. that. Yeah. And so we need to work uh, in, intentionally to reconnect people, yeah. uh, people, places, beliefs, uh, interests, so that they people start talking to each other again. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mark. Mark Babo, it's been fantastic speaking to you. We've had a long discussion, but um, I've got to say a really enjoyable discussion. I've had a blast of a time. Thank you so much for joining me. Likewise, thank you for inviting me. Fantastic. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye, Jim. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.